Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of 2 Samuel, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in the congregation I was serving in Michigan before I came here, I went and visited a, a couple, a married couple one evening, and the wife was telling me about a, a part of her life and how she was married before. Her husband was a faithful believer who also loved running. And one day he went for a run like any other day, except this day he never returned home. He was found later in the street, collapsed. He had died of a heart attack. I can't imagine what going through that was like for her, losing her husband so unexpectedly, let alone their son and daughter, who lost their dad so quickly. That daughter's name was Charis. Charis is the Greek word, which means, anyone? Anyone know Greek? Oh, look at that, you guys. Good for you. It's good. Charis is the Greek word, which means grace. Every day, every day that wife looked at her daughter, she was reminded of her husband. But every day she was able, able to look at her daughter and be reminded of God's grace amidst the tragic loss. That even though she had lost her spouse, God was still looking after her after her children, because of his grace. The same goes for all of you today. As we celebrate All Saints Day, we are reminded of our loved ones who have died in the faith. Your parents, your grandparents, your children, your brothers, your sisters, and many spouses. We have all experienced loss in, loss in some way at some time. And as you struggle, as you go through loss, you know that it's not easy. But amidst it all, right there in your grief, right there in your loss, is God's grace. And grace is God's undeserved favor. It's him giving you what you don't deserve. It's his love. It's his forgiveness. It's our life, the, the air that we breathe, the fact that we woke up this morning. It's him always being with us, never leaving or forsaking us. And his greatest act of grace was sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us, for our sins, so that we would not suffer hell, but that we would have everlasting life. And as Jesus said in the gospel for today, he has gone to heaven to prepare a place for us, and he will come back again and take us to be with him. And in his grace, God gives us the gift of faith through the power of the Holy Spirit to believe in who he is and what he's done for us. And he gifted that to all of our loved ones that we remember today who are now dwelling in God's presence in his house. And as we go through loss, sometimes we don't always understand the whys. 
Why did God allow this person to die? Why did God let this person be taken, taken away from me so suddenly? Why did God make this person go through so much pain and suffering before their death? And maybe before death, we would pray. We would pray for healing. We would pray for miracles. We would pray for more time. And then we end up questioning why God does things for some other people, answering their prayers, but why he doesn't for me. Especially when it's someone like our spouse, the love of our life. And what if it was your child? Our child who is faced with death. You often hear that parents are not supposed to outlive their children. It's some of those faces we saw had their parents still living when they passed away. Some older faces, some younger. When we see the pictures of our loved ones, we're reminded of the eternal life that is theirs because of their faith. We're also reminded of the effects of sin in this world. Because the reason that there is death is because of sin. Sin leads to death. And sometimes your sin causes the death of others. That's what we see in our Old Testament reading for today. If you remember last week, David, he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. She becomes pregnant, and then David ends up having her husband Uriah killed because trying to cover up that sin didn't work. And so he sinned more by sending Uriah to the battlefield to die. And then when the prophet Nathan confronts David of his sin, he tells him, after David repents, Nathan announces God's grace to him, God's forgiveness. But he told them that as a result of David's sin, the child that's going to be born to them is going to die. And today in our reading, we see the child is born, but then he is afflicted with a sickness. The child survives for seven days and then dies. Now leading up to that seventh day, we see that David had seven days of fasting and praying before the Lord. I mean, he'd already been told by God that the child would die. That the child would die because of his sins. Because even though David's sins are forgiven, this was a consequence of his sin. I know that there are parents here who haven't ever had seven days with a child. There are parents who have experienced unexpected miscarriage. Parents who have lost their child shortly after birth, and it wasn't expected. I can't imagine what you've gone through. And then there's David, who knew that this was coming, and it was his fault. I can't imagine losing a child after seven days, but imagine losing a child after seven days, and it's your fault. And where's David? He is before the Lord, pleading, asking God to change his mind for his child to be healed. 
I know that I am a poor, miserable sinner who sins against God daily with my thoughts, with my words, and with my actions. As a father, I have prayed as I think of my own sins, and especially when I feel the seriousness of my sins against God, I have prayed that God would not punish my children for my sins. That they would not go through any sort of suffering because of me. Rather, that he would give it to me. My sins. My punishment. We're not told the exact words David prayed before the Lord but I can imagine that his plea before the Lord was, give it to me. Don't give it to this child. Heal the child and take me. Sometimes in our prayers, God says no. God started with death of the child as David's consequence. And the child died. And this is a hard one for us to see, for us to hear. This seemingly innocent child loses their life because of their parents' sin. Yet we also know that after Nathan confronted David of his sin, he writes in Psalm 51, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. While children born are innocent of committing actual sins, they are not perfect. They are sinful from the moment of conception, as original sin is passed down from their parents from all generations. And if we say that sin leads to death, then every child conceived deserves death, deserves hell. That includes you. And that includes me. What it also means is that Jesus Christ, who was conceived of the Virgin, born of the Holy Spirit, is not conceived into original sin. And thus he is able to be born perfect. And that perfect baby becomes the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. Every child conceived deserves death. But that also means that Jesus died on the cross for each and every one of those children so that they would not suffer hell, but that they would have eternal life. And Jesus rising from the dead is the guarantee that because he lives, we shall live also. Now you may be sitting there thinking, what happened to the child? Where'd the child go? After the child dies, David, he stops fasting and praying, and he worships God. And he's questioned on his actions, and he responds with, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not, not return to me. David does not believe God is going to raise the dead. And there are some that think that maybe David is saying that when he says he shall go to him, right, that he is going to go and meet him in heaven. I would say that the text doesn't clearly tell us that because there's never any mention of heaven. I think it makes more sense to say that David is saying that he is going to be with his child in death, in his own death that is to come. 
And you can think about all of the families that were buried together in these days, that they had the same feeling of, of going to them in their death, their rightful place with their loved ones. We still have a little bit of that practice today, being buried with, next to, our spouse, our family. So, what happened to the child? We still didn't answer it. Well, that's up to God. We know that he is gracious, and he is loving, and he is just, and he will do the right thing. This is as much as we can say this side of heaven. We don't know. And sometimes that's the answer that we here on earth are left with, especially when we have other loved ones who have passed away. Sometimes we're not sure of their faith. Sometimes it's a child who dies in the womb and that child didn't have a chance to make it to the waters of baptism. Similar to David and Bathsheba's son who didn't make it to his eighth day circumcision. We trust in God's love and his grace and his justice because he is God and we are not. I know that on All Saints Sunday, it's hard for many to come and see the faces of their loved ones, the faces of their spouse, the faces of their children. And it's not just on All Saints Sunday. Sometimes it's hard for someone to come to church at all after their loved one passes away. Today, today there is something that we can learn from David. Now, it's certainly not to commit adultery and then murder. But it's what he does in the face of death and in its aftermath. The first is that we should go to the Lord in prayer. No matter if you've already been told what's going to happen. So maybe you get some bad news from a doctor. News that there's no chance of anything changing. For David... It was the prophet Nathan telling him that his child would die. Yet he still went to God and prayed for that child to live. He prayed that God would be gracious to that child. The other thing that we can learn from David is to worship the Lord even when death occurs. To worship the Lord no matter the outcome of our life or another. To worship the Lord no matter what his answers to our prayers are. As soon as the child dies, David turns from fasting and praying to worshiping. When suffering the earthly consequences of our sin, just like David, we should acknowledge that we do deserve them. And we should continue to worship the Lord who gave his son for our sins that we would have life. And above it all, know that even in death, God's grace is with us, giving us what we don't deserve. For David, his child had seven days of life. Seven days that he didn't deserve. Every day of our life is a day that God gives us his grace. And sometimes in God's grace, after the death of a spouse, he blesses us with another, 
that member in Michigan who lost her husband suddenly, eventually remarried. Sometimes in God's grace, after, after the death of a child, he blesses us with more children. We see that with David and Bathsheba. They conceive and bear a son, who you might famously know as Solomon. Solomon, who is also named Jedidiah. And Jedidiah means beloved of the Lord. Sometimes in God's grace, he doesn't give us either of these things. Sometimes all he gives us is himself and himself alone. The good news is, is that he is more than enough. He is more than we ever need. Whether we have a spouse, children, none of the above, whether we get one day on this earth or a hundred years in one day, God constantly pours his grace on us. You may, you may not be named Jedediah, but you are certainly the beloved of God. Each and every one of you. And by faith, you are more than just beloved. You are saints. A saint is one who has the promise of eternal life. And by God's grace, we will go and be with those saints who have gone before us in the faith. Because where they go, we will go. Their God is our God. They are his people and we are his people. And we go to the place where Christ has prepared for us. And today we get a foretaste of the feast that is to come as we gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ, as we gather with the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, which are those saints who have gone before us in faith. As we gather at the Lord's table and eat Christ's body and drink his blood in the bread and wine for the forgiveness of our sins, for the strengthening of our faith, and for the assurance of the promise of eternal life where we will no longer hunger or thirst, where there is no more pain, no more suffering, no more mourning, no more death, only life, where God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. This promise is given to us by God's grace alone, through Christ alone, because he is the way the truth, and the life. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.